Well, good afternoon and good morning to everyone. Thank you for joining this uh, COSIN webinar. Uh, my name is Reg Lichty. I'm the co-founder of Foresight Law and Policy. We are a Washington, D.C.-based um, education law firm. We're privileged to work very closely with COSIN on the organization's policy. Uh, and we're thrilled today to be uh, part of the rollout of this year's, uh, or I'm sorry, I should say last year's uh, report on uh, state and federal cybersecurity developments um, in education. Very excited that the paper is uh, being posted to the COSIN website today uh, among the organization's other cybersecurity resources. Um, I will uh, kind of walk you through the highlights of the report today. We will not go through every detail. I'll leave that for your later reading. But hopefully by the end of the call today, you'll have a sense of some of the major developments, uh, especially at the state level in this space. Um, we'll have some chance for discussion at the end. Um, and I also just want to talk a little bit about how uh, we think the paper can best be used because it contains, as you'll find out, a, a lot of information um, just given the breadth of, of work that policymakers undertook in this space this year. Um, before I dive in, I just want to acknowledge my con colleague, Ani Johnson, who throughout 2023 closely monitored the 50 state legislatures for uh, cybersecurity bills that would impact school districts. Um, and reporting that and, and her role in developing this paper. She was unfortunately not able to be with me today, so I just wanted to acknowledge all the work that she put into developing this excellent product with, uh, with the COSIN team. Um, I will you know, stop uh, from time to time to take a look at the chat to uh, you know, uh, take questions from you. We'll have time at the end, as I mentioned, for questions, but feel free to post uh, any questions you have as I uh, kind of move through the presentation as well. And I'll try to, you know, keep one eye on the chat so that we can answer those as, as we go along as well. Um, just want to give you a sense of the agenda for today's webinar. Uh, I'm going to start just with a quick kind of view of the big picture uh, top line stats around um, state and federal developments in this space. Uh, we're going to then transition to a conversation about new state cybersecurity laws that actually have a specific K-12 focus. Uh, we'll highlight three of those. There are more, as you'll find out, uh, that, that you know, were signed by governors across the country. You know, just for the sake of time, I'm going to highlight just three of them today. Uh, we'll then talk a little bit about some of the new laws that were passed that were not education specific, but have implications for school districts um, and in some instances, post-secondary institutions. Um, and those bills are typically measures that target the cyber readiness of state and local government generally, you know, inclusive of, of school systems. So we'll highlight a couple of those examples as well, and you'll find a lot more information about um, those laws, uh, including kind of descriptions by state in the report. Uh, from there, we're going to transition uh, 
away from the laws that were signed to also take a look at the legislation that was introduced. So, you know, our thinking is not every great idea uh, makes its way to the governor's desk for her or his signature. So we also want to understand as a community what uh, types of legislation were kind of introduced, what were some of the major themes of the of the bills that were out there. Um, and we'll try to draw out some of those themes and trends, you know, organized by those that are focused on K-12, those focused on post-secondary institutions, and also those, again, those kind of general government bills that capture our education system as well. Um, after walking through the state uh, landscape, I'm going to talk a little bit about COSIN's cybersecurity policy recommendations. These are ideas that COSIN developed as, uh, as an association using both, uh, you know, its internal experts. So there are uh, kind of experts in the field that COSIN relies on to lead its cybersecurity work that develop other resources. We'll highlight some of those at the end of the of this uh, presentation, but, you know, based on their work and then based on some of the trends we're seeing across the country, we've developed a handful of policy ideas for state and local leaders to uh, consider. Uh, and then we're going to wrap up with a kind of a shorter look at some of the federal legislation that was introduced in 2023, as well as some of the uh, executive branch activity that, um, you know, we want you to know about. And then we'll have a little bit of time at the end of the session for, um, you know, group discussion. So let's start with, a, with again, with the big picture. Um, you know, nationally, there were 307 cybersecurity bills uh, introduced uh, that have kind of Again, implications for education. Um, about 75 of those measures actually made their way through the process to become law. So, you know, that's a significant number for a single legislative cycle. Um, at the federal level, it was, uh, you know, I won't say quiet, but it was less uh, of a focus uh, kind of relative to, to state leaders. But there were 22 cybersecurity bills with education implications, again, that were introduced in the first session of the 108th Congress. Uh, five of those, you know, were kind of focused on on, um, on K-12. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more again about those at the end. And then I want to highlight a couple of important executive branch developments that happened in 2023 that we'll talk a little bit more about at the end. Of course, the FCC's recent proposal to create a $200 million uh, school library, or sorry, school and library cybersecurity pilot initiative. We'll talk about that notice of proposed rulemaking. Um, and then also uh, talk a little bit about the guidance that CISA, uh, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, published at the beginning of 2023. So you might say, you know, 307 bills, 75 laws, that seems like a lot. Uh, you can kind of see from the, the chart that that was a pretty significant increase uh, in activity relative to uh, 2020, 2021, and 2022. Those are the years that COSIN has been um, tracking this policy issue. Uh, and for which the organization has developed past reports. Um, you know, especially the number of bills really has increased 
substantially. Um, and so we just want to, you know, kind of be reminded that this is a very, you know, important topic, front of mind for a lot of state leaders. I think the number of bills, I think that's about a 250% increase relative to 2020 and about a 620% increase in the number of laws adopted. So, you know, it was a very busy legislative um, period in 2023 that produced, you know, uh, a number of ideas that I think are worthy of kind of further examination by the by the community. So let's start, as I said, with a look at the new state laws that actually focus on um, K-12 education, right? Because it's a K-12 focused entity. Um, first is, um, you know, uh, as you look kind of across the entire spectrum of, of new laws that were adopted, you know, states were largely focused on uh, proving policies that focused across government and not just uh, K-12 schools. Uh, but nine states did adopt cybersecurity laws that targeted K-12 education specifically. Um, you know, thematically, those measures touched kind of a range of issues, uh, including things like requiring school districts to either update or create for the first time cybersecurity policies, um, you know, focusing on improving statewide uh, coordination of cyber defense, right? So these are the information and uh, strategy sharing that are part of cybersecurity systems kind of nationally. Um, you know, simple things like creating a task force in one state to examine the relationship of the emergence of artificial intelligence and cybersecurity, uh, providing information to parents and other themes. None of these ideas will uh, right surprise you. I think they're consistent with the cybersecurity strategies we've seen in the past, but right, kind of an increase here with nine states actually passing new laws addressing these areas. And I would say these, you know, laws were not adopted and kind of one type of state or one kind of geographic region, uh, you know, they really uh, represent a, both a geographically and a politically diverse group of states uh, where these nine laws were passed, Arkansas, uh, California, Illinois, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, New Mexico, North Dakota, and Texas. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some of these states um, today, but I would just encourage you to uh, download the report today and take a look at, um, you know, all of these states. We've captured at least a baseline uh, bit of information that will give you a sense of the direction that each of these states uh, decided to take. I'm just going to highlight three of them, though, right, just to not spend our entire time just on this segment. Uh, first, I wanted to to identify for you is California uh, AB 1023. Um, you know, I think this one is in particular important because of the value of ensuring that school districts are part of an information sharing ecosystem that helps them uh, not only prepare for uh, a good cyber defense, but also to um, you know, take part in information sharing that might help them recover from a cyber attack. So in California's case, 
the state decided to expressly add the California Department of Education to the state's existing cybersecurity integration center, the CalCISIC. Um, you know, uh, and then there was also kind of this new recommendation or a new requirement that school districts be among the entities which um, the integration center coordinates information sharing, you know, including, uh, you know, proactively sharing information about current cyber threats. Um, you know, I included a little bit of information here about the kind of history of the Cybersecurity Information Center as well. This was an entity started by the governor in 2015 by executive order. State later codified it. Uh, this is the kind of next step in the evolution of the center to really place a greater emphasis on, um, you know, sweeping California school districts into the system in, a, in an affirmative way. Um, in Minnesota, uh, the state adopted a law that would make, um, you know, cybersecurity expenditures, right, including the cost for kind of updating computer hardware and software, you know, cyber insurance, which is increasingly, uh, you know, a challenge for districts to secure because of costs and underwriting requirements. So making all of those costs uh, an eligible use of Minnesota's safe schools revenue. Um, so I think an acknowledgement by legislators about just how serious this threat is. Of course, there were major attacks in the Minneapolis metro area, but other examples around the state that legislature legislators kind of realized had to be addressed. And I think you know, it's clear signal to districts to, to take this problem seriously and provide them uh, some financial support to help address the significant costs of, of, of cyber defense. Uh, third, uh, the third state I want to highlight uh, for, uh, you know, among the nine laws that were adopted that focus on K-12 is, is the Texas HB 18. Uh, this Texas law uh, directs the, the state board to adopt standards around, you know, the permissible electronic devices and software that schools can use. And in adopting those standards, really calling on the state to, um, you know, address cybersecurity. Uh, some language here that also requires school districts to ensure that parents, you know, have uh, some understanding of this threat and the steps that they can take. And then, you know, taking the simple but powerful step of ensuring that a party like a parent, but also an employee in a school district, you know, has a person to take a cybersecurity concern to. That is, what is the chain of command? How do we uh, raise alarms or questions about uh, school district cybersecurity? And then there's another provision in HB 18 as well about you know, when states are transferring uh, equipment to students, you know, districts are called on by Texas to adopt security uh, and other rules that kind of govern that transfer. Uh, that requirement, you know, includes a specific call out um, to promote and partner with right parents in cybersecurity and online safety. So, again, those are just three examples of the state laws that were adopted that specifically focus on K-12 schools. You know, I'd encourage you to dive a little bit deeper on each of those, but also, um, you know, take a look at the other six states that, I, you know, we just don't have time to go through all of them today. Um, I would point out, Jill's uh, uh, pointing out in the chat that 
you know, a link to the report will be mailed out if you um, need assistance in finding it. So keep a keep a lookout in your inbox for that. So, um, right, as I mentioned up front, not every state uh, chose to kind of follow the K-12 focused path in adopting new laws in this area uh, in 2023. Um, so I want to talk for a minute about, you know, um, the over 60 new laws that were adopted that, while not specific to, to K-12 or post-secondary, have implications for our school districts. You know, thinking about some of the kind of common topics of those new state laws, you know, kind of general capacity building across state and local systems, very big focus on trying to build out the workforce uh, that's required to provide the kind of human element of cybersecurity. Um, we'll talk more about that. Things like governance, uh, as I mentioned in the Texas law, for example, the simple, you know, requirement that a district have a designated leader for these issues. You know, I think we see steps taking stronger um, actions to provide systematic kind of cybersecurity governance at the state level, right, to establish that leadership and chain of command in a, in a logical and strategic way. Information sharing, we talked about the California bill, but there are also information strategies across government agencies generally, things like prohibited apps. These are, you know, we've seen some of these kind of controversial state laws uh, banning apps like TikTok, uh, citing cybersecurity and other issues. Um, you know, notice and response requirements, policy and planning, and other other things, just to give you a sense of the broader array of state laws that that were adopted in 2023. But I want to highlight a couple of them. Uh, one is Maryland uh, SB 801. Um, in this case, this is again one of the kind of workforce-focused bills that I mentioned. Of course, it's very difficult for school districts uh, to hire the experts that they need to bolster their cyber defenses uh, as a competition for people that have this skill set um, that includes, right, often higher salaries in the private sector. So, you know, growing the overall size of the workforce to ensure that our cybersecurity needs are met across sectors and in our case, especially for school districts, we see states taking these strategies to try to incent and support people into the profession. Uh, in this case, uh, Maryland has established the Cyber Maryland program to increase the cyber workforce. Uh, they talk about, you know, building an advanced cybersecurity workforce. So, right, not only growing the size of it, but, uh, you know, a sort of well-equipped workforce um, that is also informing kind of training and education programs for the public uh, and others. So I think a big focus here in, in um, both of these areas is, is very valuable. Maryland also included kind of a diversity element here with the, uh, um, you know, it's uh, the Cyber War Warrior Diversity Program as part of uh, SB 801. And there are other examples, right, you saw on the chart Right, number of nearly uh, 15 of these kind of workforce 
laws across uh, the country and they take somewhat different forms from state to state. Uh, I also wanted to highlight uh, North Carolina HB 259. Uh, this uh, is a, an amendment to, to North Carolina's cybersecurity reporting law um, requests that districts like local districts, including, I'm sorry, local jurisdictions, including school districts, state agencies, or other critical infrastructure partners, you know, when they're seeking state uh, assistance, right, there was a requirement here around notifying the North Carolina Emergency Management 24-hour um, watch, right, so that these things can be inventoried and then activated in a systematic way. Um, they also took the step in North Carolina of, you know, reopening the state's cybersecurity pilot program. Once it's to try to explore additional op offerings that weren't part of the original pilot, but also to select additional vendors to be part of it. So you can see here, right, this, uh, um, this is kind of an information sharing strategy. It's also a governance strategy. Um, um, but also, you know, uh, kind of notification, breach notification strategy as well. So a lot, a lot, I think, wrapped up in this uh, approach that North Carolina is taking. So, I, you know, I mentioned up front, obviously, we are, um, you know, very focused on the laws that were passed in 2023 in this space, but there are good ideas, of course, that were, uh, introduced in state legislatures across the country that, um, you know, we also want to take a look at. So I want to spend a few minutes just examining um, some of the legislation that was introduced uh, that was K-12 specific, uh, uh, you know, and just kind of quickly identify a few of the themes we saw in those bills. Again, this is the bucket of legislation, a bucket of policy that didn't make its way to the governor's desk. Um, you know, we saw uh, kind of big themes around required uh, school district planning and policy development to ensure that uh, school districts are being thoughtful about their cybersecurity strategies. So, you know, bills in um, Michigan and Arkansas and Minnesota and Texas, again, Workforce expansion, Utah, North Dakota, and Minnesota, uh, some kind of direct technical assistance to school districts, and in one case at least, required kind of curriculum. Uh, again, you can see some geographic diversity here in New York and New Jersey, but also Georgia and Maryland. Uh, cyber infrastructure funding, right? Uh, this is around uh, kind of technology uh, and less the human element of, of the cyber security uh, bills in Iowa and Minnesota, Nebraska and Texas. Um, you'll see as you read the report uh, more about each of these um, themes, but just wanted to give you a sense of some of the major topic areas that legislators were featuring in their bills. Um, you know, again, COSIN focused on school districts, but we want to highlight that legislatures are also in some instances developing legislation targeting post-secondary education. Some of these bills, right, it's maybe directing the post-secondary institution to do something that has a benefit, ideally, for school districts. One of these, of course, is um, 
you know, around trying to build the cybersecurity workforce. You can see this very kind of significant number of states that introduced legislature, you know, a, a legislator introduced legislation around building the workforce in that state. Again, very geographically and politically diverse. Uh, Post-SEC bills focused on higher education institutions, cybersecurity infrastructure in a number of states. Um, and then in a smaller number, but I think still thematically notable, um, you know, a lot of legislation on the post-SEC side focused on ensuring institutions are prepared for cyber attacks, um, but also kind of in some instances defining, um, you know, what their governance has to be, again, ensuring that there's leadership and chain of command around this specific need. So I'm going to take a minute and look at the chat, um, make sure there are not questions. Feel free again to kind of post them as I go along. Um, lastly, uh, just in terms of the legislation at the thematic level, um, you know, a number of bills that were not either specifically focused on higher ed or K-12, but across government, you know, state, state and local government generally. I mentioned, right, there's this kind of popular movement against specific apps in 2023, you know, often citing cybersecurity as the reason to prohibit those apps on, you know, perhaps state um, equipment, uh, like, you know, cell phones or other kind of mobile devices. Um, certainly they were not citing only the cybersecurity risk, right? We saw other kinds of concerns wrapped up in these prohibitions, but I did want to note, right, this was a common theme among a handful of states. Um, you know, just making direct appropriations for cybersecurity members. So we saw a lot of bills that would uh, kind of fund different types of cybersecurity initiatives, both on the technology, but also on the personnel side, uh, but also investing in things, right? Proposing to invest in things like uh, cybersecurity insurance, with premiums rising and again, underwriting obligations rising, I think it's a recognition by some state legislators that funding would be needed to um, help districts uh, and other government entities at the state, at the state and local level really kind of manage their exposure to these attacks. Uh, lastly, again, right, you're gonna keep saying this, cybersecurity governance and workforce development, um, you know, Easy things like establishing committees, you know, requiring the, you know, hiring chief information security officers, creating programs for cybersecurity education. All right, how do we make sure that, um, right, in the instance of school districts, that our staff, that our students understand cyber risk and the tech, you know, the steps that they can take as users to promote cybersecurity. So, you know, all of these kind of three areas were prevalent across the, you know, um, several hundred bills that were that were introduced in 2023 and it really didn't make their way all the way through the process. So uh, given the, right, everything we talked about, the laws that were passed, the um, legislation that was introduced, uh, Plus, kind of connecting back to COSIN's other cybersecurity recommendations, we want to highlight for you today um, some of the cybersecurity policy ideas that 
the organization feels are valuable, right? This is not to say that all of these ideas are um, of particular value to every jurisdiction in the country, I think, but, you know, I think they represent uh, a range of areas that are part of a comprehensive approach to cybersecurity um, that are valuable. Um, you'll see in the report uh, a table that identifies, um, you know, these ideas along with some very high level policy kind of recommendations, but then we've also kind of aligned it to some of the new state laws in uh, that were adopted by states in 2023 with the idea to say, here's an issue area you should be thinking about. Here's maybe a policy idea that could be used to address that area. And then here is an example of a new state law that you could look at uh, to help further your thinking. That is not to say that these state examples are perfect, are a perfect fit for every jurisdiction, but hopefully they provide some food for thought that lead to the development of a customized kind of policy approach in a given state that, you know, meets the specific needs of that jurisdiction. And I would say, as a general rule, that's how we see the paper, right? It doesn't go into um, a great level of detail in every area, but we hope it provides nuggets for state and local leaders to really be thoughtful about um, and lead a kind of planning process around bolstering their cybersecurity in a thoughtful way from a kind of policy perspective. So, you know, first of these, right, that you'll see in the paper and in the table I mentioned, training, uh, this is a focus on both school district employees, but also all users, right? A good cyber defense has an educated user base. Um, you know, this is uh, maybe professional development for teachers, but also maybe some defined opportunities for student and even parent learning around the use of devices in a safe and secure way. Uh, I mentioned insurance, right, and risk sharing. Uh, Part of this is providing uh, additional funding to help school districts acquire cybersecurity. Um, it might be more sophisticated approaches like creating statewide mechanisms to pool risk uh, to help uh, you know uh, even secure these policies, right? Sometimes it's not even just about cost, but also spreading the risk across a bigger pool of users. Uh, information sharing, right? Again, Thinking back to the California law and other examples, making sure that school districts in every jurisdiction are part of statewide efforts to coordinate information sharing. This also, right, is work that's being done uh, through the federal government and certain uh, non-governmental organizations at a regional and national level. So, you know, statewide information sharing is vital, but we also have to be connected to other ecosystems across the country. Uh, governance, again, uh, adopting statewide structures for overseeing and coordinating cybersecurity among state agencies, boards, commissions, and other entities, uh, obviously inclusive of school districts. Um, you know, without clear leadership, there can't be a comprehensive strategy. Uh, replacing outdated tech, right? So we know that Older technology, older software 
uh, can be particularly vulnerable to uh, attack. Uh, that means, right, we need strategies for regularly updating technology, but also the funding required to acquire it. I won't go into it again. We talked about the workforce strategy, making sure there are more people available for these positions in school districts. Um, we want to highlight dedicated funding because, you know, investments across state and local government are valuable uh, and not to be looked down upon, but they may not be big enough to ensure that every school district in a particular state has funding for cybersecurity. So we think it's vitally um important that there should be some dedicated funding for school districts in this space. And then lastly, right, we've seen this huge emergence of AI um, in the kind of public discourse and on public use over the last year. That's only going to grow exponentially moving forward. I think, you know, want to be thoughtful through policy about what the implications of AI are uh, for student data privacy and cybersecurity generally. So, excuse me, you'll see more of all of these, uh, more about each of these topics in the paper, again, with some effort to try to align them to some of the state laws that were passed in 2023, again, so that you have examples of what this legislative language could look like or what it might look like in, this, in the context of a board policy rule. You know, that might be a state board of ed, it might be a school district board, but we're thinking about policy holistically from the kind of local to state to federal level here. And right, I'm going to just check the chat, make sure I'm not overlooking any questions and see any. Um, so I want to move on now um, for the last part of the presentation to a discussion about um, federal landscape. We won't spend as much time here, but there are a few things that, you know, we want you to be aware of. And there's, again, kind of more information in the paper about these federal bills. Um, I would say at the top line, members of Congress, you know, uh, did take a, kind of a number of different uh, approaches to this um, policy area, uh, you know, as they were thinking about cyber defense, I think we're, you know, as state leaders did the same, they were really thinking kind of across the system in a helpful way. Um, so for the first session of the 118th Congress, which was 2023, there were 22 cybersecurity bills uh, that we, you know, identified as having some kind of direct or indirect application to schools. You know, turns out that's exactly the same number we saw in 2022 at the end of the 117th Congress uh, and slightly more than 2021 and significantly more, you know, compared to 2020 when we first uh, started to look at this um, policy space. Uh, just in terms of topics, uh, you know, Big focus, obviously, on bolstering the cyber security of school districts, uh, improving the kind of cybersecurity competencies of the technology workforce in education, um, you know, and including really looking at the critical infrastructure roles that, you know, specialized post-secondary education programs can play in producing um, a stable and strong 
workforce in this space. Um, COSIN, for its part, just to go a little farther uh, in this area, has introduced bipartisan, I'm sorry, endorsed bipartisan legislation originally sponsored by Congresswoman Doris Matsui of California with some Republican partners in the House. Um, this year, uh, uh, that bill was also introduced in the Senate by Senator Blackburn and Senator Warner. Um, the measure would do everything from setting up a new grant program, cybersecurity grant program for school districts uh, at the Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, uh, it would also require, again, kind of consistent with some of the things we've seen at the state level um, around information sharing nationally, and I think some other very helpful steps. That bill has not uh, kind of made its way through the committee process, but it's one that will continue as an organization to champion in uh, 2024. Um, and thank you, Jill, for linking the COSIN's policy page on the in the chat if anybody wants to learn a little bit more about that bill. Um, I also want to flag that um, there are a couple really important uh, cybersecurity developments in the executive branch you should know about. Uh, the Federal Communications Commission uh, this fall announced and then approved uh, kind of on a, on a bipartisan vote of the entire commission uh, to propose a three-year school and library cybersecurity pilot program that would spend up to $200 million over a three-year period. COSIN and its partners, CETA and other organizations have been very actively asking the FCC to modernize the E-rate program to invest in cybersecurity. That started with a petition for rulemaking back in 2020. Uh, the organization and its partners filed comments in a firewall proceeding uh, last year, right, to say that the definite the E-rates definition of firewall should be modernized. Uh, and then most recently, the FCC said, we think this pilot uh, would be a great idea, a way to collect data about the costs uh, and challenges that school districts and libraries are facing. Um, the comment period uh, is, you know, first comment deadline is at the end of January. The uh, reply comments will be 30 days later. We'll be weighing in favorably in this proceeding. It has three goals, right? Improving the security and protection of E-rate funded broadband networks and data. Uh, measuring the costs. Again, I said it's a, kind of a study, right? Measuring the costs associated with cybersecurity and advanced firewall. And then third, and I've kind of underlined this, you know, evaluating how to leverage other federal K-12 cybersecurity tools and resources. So the FCC said all along, you know, as COSIN and its partners advocated for this investment, you know, there are other agencies with expertise in this space that should be brought to bear on this problem that the FCC can't do all of it. So that's kind of reflected in this third goal of the FCC um, again, this is still in the rulemaking phase, but it had the support of all five FCC commissioners. So after going through notice and comment, we do think this will be adopted at some point in 2024. But I want to mention, you know, this third goal again um, about other agencies, because I want to highlight that the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security uh, Agency 
published guidance at the beginning. So this has now been 12 months ago at the beginning of 2023 uh, for school districts that is designed to, you know, equip them with resources to help them bolster their cybersecurity. Um, I'm only highlighting a little bit of it here, kind of three buckets of recommendations, including investing in the most impactful security measures and building toward what they call a mature cybersecurity plan, recognizing and actively addressing resource constraints, and three, focusing on collaboration and information sharing. Uh, one, I want you to know about this, but two, I want you to know that the FCC in this pilot uh, notice of proposed rulemaking references, you know, leveraging other agencies, but it also specifically asks if applicants for this pilot program should be obligated to demonstrate that they are um, addressing the priorities that CISA has laid out for school districts, right? So there's a direct connection between the cybersecurity pilot proposed by the FCC and these priorities and other recommendations that were published by CISA last year. I think that's great. Uh, I think we see in the FCC rulemaking references to the work of the Department of Education and other agencies as well. Certainly has to be a multi-pronged effort, but um, and really kind of pleased to see this coordination. But organizationally, we really uh, strongly favor uh, running this pilot at the FCC and then using it to inform modernization of the E-rate later so that there is a steady stream of dedicated resources um, flowing into school districts for this challenge. So, you know, noted kind of in the earlier part of the presentation about the state laws and bills that were introduced, right? This focus on ensuring that there's a stable, dedicated source of support, even if it doesn't cover everything, uh, can be really uh, one important piece of the puzzle to helping school districts develop a comprehensive plan. Of course, we don't want to see the core focus of the array, which is connectivity disrupted, but there has historically, you know, at least over the last four or five years, been a significant gap between the amount of funding available for E-rate and the amount that was actually outlaid. So we do think organizationally there's room here to invest in both cybersecurity and broadband in a, in a thoughtful and appropriate way. Um, lastly, before I just provide an opportunity for questions, uh, I do want to highlight that you can find other COSIN cybersecurity resources on uh, the COSIN website. Um, I have included a link at the bottom of this slide to the cybersecurity resources page. You'll find this list of um, cybersecurity you know, tools. Uh, on that page, but you'll also find kind of the names and contact information for some of the content experts that support COSIN cybersecurity work. Um, so with that, I will open up uh, the floor to any questions you have. Uh, I'm going to open up the chat. Um, so please, uh, if you have any questions about anything I've covered or other kind of topics related to K-12 cybersecurity, please let me know. All right. Well, if there aren't any questions, I would just encourage. Oh, oh, so Alex. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Alex, for uh, yeah for for your 
combination of the presentation. We appreciate you joining us. Um, appreciate everybody taking time to be part of the conversation today. Please uh, download the report. Please don't hesitate to follow up uh, with me or the COSIN team if you have questions after reading it. And then I would also lastly just urge you to take a look at these other resources that COSIN has developed to help school districts in this space. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.